This is the Run Pod Option. I'm Marty. I'm Kyle. I'm Jeff. And we are part of the Fifth Quarter Network. Visit fifthquarter.net for access to the Discord, to the forums, some good articles, some insider stuff. If you're a Fifth Quarter Plus, check it out. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at RunPodOption. You can email us, RunPodOption at gmail.com. You can fax us. <laughs> yeah, fax us. You can always fax us at uh, phones facts at northwestern.edu you can check out our geo sites uh geo city site i'm gonna do an uh, angel fire site fire. so this is our first show of 2020 we got all hands on deck and this is the tuesday after the national championship where lsu defeated clemson 35 to 24 kyle i'm gonna start with you how great was that championship game? Oh, that LSU offense. <laughs> I mean, it started off with, you know, Clemson looked like they were going to, you know, really, really hang with them. And they did for about three and a half quarters. And then the LSU offense really took over. But you could see the tide turning when it was about 7-17. And then it really just started to to just pile on at that point. I thought that the worst thing for LSU to start the game was that they were constantly having to play out of their end zone. Yeah, they were backed up to their five, I think, of their first two drives and, and ended up getting nothing out of them. Which is a death knell at that point. You know, you're just trying to get out of out of, out of uh, your own end zone so you can possibly punt without having somebody in your face. But, and I, I think I texted you guys, like, I thought the best thing that could have happened to them was on that one punt that they had. It bounced forward about... 20 yards and got them to like the 30 um, before they before uh, Clemson picked it up or before LSU downed it and uh, two plays later Clemson was right down in the red zone again after that pass to Galloway and I think Etienne after that but and, and then Clemson got a got a score off of that man that LSU offense once it started to get going there was nothing stopping it. It felt oddly similar to the Clemson-Ohio State game with their roles reversed, where LSU was down 17-7, to and Clemson should have probably been up 21-7 to at that point. And then after Clemson's up 17-7, and then at the halftime they're down 28-17. Just like in a, it felt like a flash. The only thing that changed was LSU's field position. Once they got yeah. on, once they weren't backed up to their own end zone, they had no issues moving the ball. And I think this was—I saw that it was actually Joe Burrow's least statistically accurate game this season. <laughs> and he still and he still had 463 yards. He scored a total of six touchdowns, and he looks like a world beater. Yeah, and like <laughs> this was his this was his bad game, I guess. Yeah. He's dropping dimes, forty yard dimes to. Jamar Chase. Jeff, how how drunk would you be if you played a game that you had to take a sip of beer every time either the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator changed the play before snapping the ball? <laughs> uh, that would be pretty rough. It was a chess game. And I think that Joe Brady, everyone knew he had the goods. But to see him do it against Brent Venables... And Venables didn't call a bad game. LSU is just that team had so much talent. It was really interesting the way it started because I think Clemson played like a three one seven. Is that what Herbstreet was saying? They basically yeah. 
Like, so they went to this totally odd, like, Iowa State front, and it shut down LSU for a while. LSU couldn't figure it out. And then I think, like you said, the the chess match kind of started, and Ensminger and Mr. Brady got things going, and then obviously Burrow took it from there. But I was really impressed with how Clemson started. And the first quarter was a blast because both teams were, like, playing at, like, 5x speed. They were just, like, slamming into each other and flying all around. It was It was a wild start to the game. All three of us agreed that it seemed like the refs were going to let them play because both defenses were all over the receivers. Definitely. That is the only thing that I think affected Joe Burrow's accuracy because he was still throwing good balls, but Clemson and Clemson's defensive backs especially were fantastic. And they've really had a good game pretty much the entire time aside from like three plays. LSU's wide receivers led by Jamar Chase, and you have Jefferson and Moss as the tight end, and Marshall. Like, they all had incredible games. Jamar Chase had two touchdowns and 221 yards, which I think was a record for the national championship. They had like 160 or something like that in the first half. Yeah, it was nothing. I mean, when they had their their first touchdown was that 56-yard pass, and then it was just from there on out. Well, then he had that other bomb to him. And he had a dropped uh, dropped touchdown, didn't he? Yeah, he he did. Basically, the fact that... He could have had another one, and this could have been another score up for LSU. is is wild. It was a perfect pass, and I think it would have gotten to 42-25 earlier than it did. It was a perfect pass, and then the LSU kicker uh, shanked the, the kick. So I have one note, talking on the Clemson side. According to ESPN stats, Trevor Lawrence's 13 overthrows against LSU tied for the most by any quarterback in a single FBS game this season. In the biggest game. There was a lot of reaction on Twitter from the, the talking heads, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, you know, that, that are going to be dickheads anyways. Was he, was he t- <laughs> tweeting in all caps at you? Yeah. It's, well, so there was, there was a consensus that Trevor Lawrence doesn't have the goods. Like, what, this is the guy I've been hearing so much about. And it's not – I don't think it's fair because what LSU did defensively, especially from about midway through the third quarter on – I've never seen Trevor Lawrence that uncomfortable. And it made it look like almost every one of his throws looked like that awkward Philip Rivers release where it's like the top of, like, he's at a 90 degree angle, or he's at a, uh, he's at a completely parallel angle with his body trying to, like, float it up because there's a defensive back, it's Delpit, it's whoever else, it's right in his face within a second and a half of the snap. Trevor Lawrence, he, he lit up Alabama last year. Made them look ridiculous. And he comes into this year and, uh, you know, this game right here. And maybe at the end of the game, he had, he started to press and press and press because he saw LSU consistently moving the ball. And he needed to make big, big throws. He needed to, to stay on par with that offense. Uh, so I could totally see him overthrowing the ball at that point because he was in a pressure situation where, he had to keep up with the team that was not going to stop. Do you guys remember there was a Patriots-Colts playoff game back when Peyton Manning was playing, and New England went for on like fourth and two from their own 35 or 40-yard line because they knew they couldn't afford to give Peyton Manning back the ball. And and I want to say it was a Wes Welker. It was a little like a screen pass to the right, and they didn't get it, and Peyton Manning... And I think Vinatieri was on the Colts at that point. They kicked a game-winning field goal to win. Either way, the point I'm trying to make is 
that very little moment is how Trevor Lawrence looked to be playing for pretty much that second half in the I've got to score. We have to respond because clearly we cannot really slow them down. That's not going to work. And there was, for as many overthrows, there was just as many throws that skipped to the receiver because he was trying to put his ass into it, forcing a play. Yeah, and the thing that was strange was Burrow was under pressure a ton during this game. And with I know LSU's front is different because they have they run like a weird 3-4, but... I felt like Lawrence had a lot more time and maybe, uh, you know, as the game went on, he kind of got under pressure, but I I didn't feel like he was under a ton of duress and he was still forcing it. So that was kind of interesting to see. Well, if LSU wants a feather in their cap to be DBU, I think this is a good way to do it because even though T Higgins missed, I think about a quarter of the game, Justin Ross was completely held in check. Braden Galloway had one catch and that was pretty much it. T Higgins was kept in check. ETN, there was about three or four plays that he caught out of the backfield that should have gone for another 20 yards, but good tackling from either the defensive backs or a linebacker coming back. LSU's defense, I was incredibly impressed by, and I do wish ETN would have gotten the ball a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. But I think that's also a product of we can't just sit here and run the ball, even though he's really effective out of the backfield, like catching, you know, but... I think that, that was a product of we can't sit here and slow this game down. We need to keep up with this offense. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire didn't even have he, – he had 110 yards on the ground, and he had 54 through the air. But he didn't really start getting fed the ball consistently until that second half for the same reasons, I think. When LSU were playing from behind, when they were playing from behind, they were not just hammering it up the middle with him. And well, once he got rolling, it was – the momentum was so far in swing for LSU – well, I think it also was, you know, it took a couple of plays for him to kind of break out where it showed that they needed to creep up and start defending the run. And that's when all hell broke loose on the back end for Clemson. If you guys caught the play, but it was either in the second quarter or early the third, Hilaire got the ball and made like a sick cut right against the sideline and kind of yes. squatted down. But And he actually touched out of bounds, but they didn't catch it. And he, I, I want to say he got like 30 yards on the run. And then the next play, Jefferson did something similar. Do you guys think that would have had a big impact or would it have not mattered either way? Because that was a big run. I know exactly the play you're talking about because he did kind of a weird spin thing up and out of the out-of-bounds mark where he had his hand down. And then they ran up to the line. They had, I think, an incomplete pass. And then that next play was the Jefferson juke that <laughs> that, <laughs> that he, he completely came to a complete stop on that right sideline. And Clemson players were just out of frame laughing because they flew by. And, and didn't have a chance. I think it could have made a difference. And, and I do think it's interesting. I, I, if it makes a difference, it's a seven-point difference. I don't think it's that big. I also don't think there's any way that that one play, if there's any play that would have been a difference, it would have been the clear pick six that Clemson dropped. Yeah. Yep. And I think that was, was in the second quarter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that was that in the second? It was either the third or the second quarter. I can't remember. The game was entirely too long. I don't know when it was. God, yeah, it was. Yeah, that was. Uh, that, that's a that's a, a minute conversation we can have here if you'd like. I don't know what the answer is because the NFL's obviously not going to budge. But man, we the Monday night game starting at eight o'clock 
and it ended for us on the Eastern time zone, I think at 1215 or 1220. Yep. But that's longer than a normal, a normal game. Like, like it's the pomp and circumstances, the 40 minutes they took for halftime. It's the, the amount of reviews they had. Oh, yeah. I, but I, I just couldn't believe it. I remember like I walked, I walked out of our uh, kind of office where I was watching the game and I walked into the, into the living room and my wife was like, Oh, are you coming to bed? It was like ten fifteen. I go, no, it's the second quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Like I was like, this game is, I looked at her and I go, this is going to be a long night. And it was. Do we want me to go? I can go over some stats here for Joe Burrow because this is going to kind of be our our goodbye Joe Burrow show as well. So <laughs> as he goes and dies in Cincinnati next year, <laughs> God, yeah, everybody pray for him in Cincinnati. So Joe Burrow, his records after this game, and I'm sure there's some that I'm missing. Most passing touchdowns in a season at 60. R.I.P. Colt Brennan. Most touchdowns responsible for 65 for a season. Most touchdowns responsible for in a title game with six. And the most passing yards in a title game with 463. And pile that on top of the fact that he's broken every LSU passing record. And he was MVP of the championship game. And he was the Heisman winner. RIP to Joe Burrow. See you at the crossroads. (laughs) May you thrive in Cincinnati, which I don't think anybody's capable of doing. (laughs) May may you find your way out of Ohio as quickly as possible. It looks like really rich in a few months, so. That'll be good. Yeah, you know what? He deserves it. So, so there's, I looked on uh, collegefootballdata.com, and I pulled up some of the – they have a really cool box score feature that shows a lot of analytics for the box score. So just some things that I thought were interesting. So success rate for this game. Clemson's success rate in the first quarter was 50% to LSU's 36%. In the second quarter, Clemson shifted down to 39 and LSU up to 56%, which that was the comeback we talked about, right, going into halftime at 28-17. The third quarter, we we all mentioned it kind of started the same way the first one did. LSU had a 38% success rate. Clemson had a 41% success rate. So both defensive coordinators made adjustments. And then in the fourth quarter, Clemson was actually not bad. They were 43%, but LSU had a 52% success rate, which is just insane to close out a game. And I think the stats obviously prove it. When you look at, I've discussed PPA, and this is the cumulative PPA for the game. So expected points and how much they were greater than that in plays that they were featured in. Joe Burrow was at a plus (laughs) 23.62. Trevor Lawrence was at a negative three compared to. Which is actually, that's actually the amount of like, headspace he has left to fit his entire face in. Yeah, that, that's the, the video game sliders on a creator character. It's negative three hairline for that added uh, forehead that he's got trying to fit into that helmet. The Easter Island statue that is Trevor, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. The top six players for LSU in terms of snaps all had a positive PPA, cumulative average. The Clemson team... Only three of their top seven did, and it was Etienne, Justin Ross, and Galloway. And each of those players didn't get enough touches in general, but I think that's, that's that speaks to LSU's defense, too. Uh, Galloway looked like he was going to be a bit of a factor at the starting of the game. He had a huge, a really long catch, and then he had, yeah. uh, another, he had another, another, he had another reception, I'm pretty sure, after that that looked pretty good. And I was like, man, this guy might be a big factor in this game, and it just And those were his last two catches. Happen. 
Yes. He never got another one. <laughs> then he went away. There was uh, the coach's film room was fantastic. Jeff, did you watch it? I did. I had to turn it off because I couldn't stand Gary Patterson. Oh man! Oh, all right. So <laughs> I loved Gundy though. The Gundy banter be between staple. Gundy and Patterson, and I think Patterson kept taking shots at the kind of refereeing that happens in Stillwater, which is always a blast. <laughs> but Gundy, but Gundy worked as kind of the moderator, which I'm so thankful for because usually it's that Luganbill guy, I believe. Yeah, and he's Luganville. always it's always annoying. Gundy has a future in broadcasting. He was fantastic. He's got the hair for it. <laughs> the coach's room is really, really neat. Over and over and over again, both teams were running cover zero and cover one all damn game. And I think if I had to count it on my hand, there might have been less than 10 plays where LSU played with two safeties back. And if they did, it was almost definitely a third and long. They, they, they had a fantastic game plan and just both teams saying, okay, our defensive backs can stick with yours. And we saw how that panned out. LSU's receivers are just otherworldly. Can we talk, speaking of uh, LSU safeties, can we talk about that one hit on the, uh, uh, who was it? Was it Roberts that was up in the air for Clemson? Yeah, the kidney shot? Rogers. Was it, I yeah. think it was Amari Rogers. Rogers, Rogers, yeah, Rogers, Rogers Robert, not Robert, Rogers. pass. I, you know, everybody was saying, you know, it's clean hit, clean hit. I was like, isn't that a defenseless receiver? <laughs> it was as clean yeah. of a hit for a defenseless receiver shot. I'll give you that. Like, I think it was a hit on a defensive, def- God almighty, defenseless receiver, but he did everything to not just leap off the ground because he could have just cut him in half. Like he could have, he could have ended the dude's career. Yeah. And I think it's I think to not see that called, but to see the definitely not a blindside block called earlier in the game, <laughs> where he uh, hit him from the front. Yeah, where he yeah where he was ten yards ahead of him cutting back. Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a weird. It was definitely a Pac-12 officiating crew. Oh man, and, and <laughs> they didn't understand what hitting was. They were dreadful. Yeah, it was. I just kept seeing the same picture tweeted, which is from like a Pac-12 game with I think it was Cal and UCLA, <laughs> and there was a turnover, and every referee is pointing in a different direction from the turnover. <laughs> so there's like there's four receivers in the frame, and one saying "recovered," "didn't recover," "recovered," "didn't recover." It's the opposite of the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> yeah, it's the exact opposite of the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> so, do we want to close the book on the national championship game? and get into the responses we got from the server we put out for the 2019 season. Let's do it. I mean, LSU kind of boat raced at the end, so... Let's close the book. Let's close the book. Uh, good luck, Joe Brady, in the NFL. Good luck, we, Joe Burrow, in, in the NFL. <laughs> we are going to have our next episode, which should be sometime next month, as we kind of shift into the off-season schedule. We are going to have an episode maybe entirely on coaching moves. We might have one that's entirely transfers, too. We'll kind of see how it plays out, but we're definitely going to be talking about both of those things. Right now, it's January 14th, and things are still happening, so we don't want to just talk there's about There's way stuff. too much. Yeah, there's way too much variability still. Uh, we still got Hawaii that's going to need a coach. Baylor's still looking, et cetera. Colt Brennan. Cool. Take the Hawaii job. Dude, come back. That You know what? The revival of Colt. Where is so, Colt Brennan? <laughs> I've really my dreams. Know. I don't know because the arena football shut down, didn't they? So, yeah, no, they, they folded this year. 
He's he's petitioning to be in the XF, XFL right now. So I put out a call on Twitter, on the Fifth Quarter forums and Discord, and on the CFB Reddit. And I asked them to share their favorite 2019 moments or games. And we had a lot of responses. Like an insane amount, way more than I expected. Before I start diving into any of these, I'm going to be giving a very abridged version of some of these because there are entire books that people <laughs> wrote. And, 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 and just for an example here, uh, Captain Void on Reddit had a really, really great write up. I can't read that whole thing on here, but I will be following up after this episode posts on the podcast feed. I will be going to Reddit and I'll be posting everybody's responses on there too. So you can read in more <laughs> detail because there is, there is a lot. You can read the essays, you know, the ones that have uh, a thesis statement, three three body paragraphs, and a conclusion. You joke, but uh, user second pronoun no, I'm not absolutely joking. wrote a book. <laughs> I'm not joking. I, I think that's the one book. I shared with you, and I was like, I don't know how we're going to get around this one. It's insane. So let's. So I have them broken down kind of by fan base, and then there's a big group of kind of miscellaneous. But I think the miscellaneous are the funniest ones. So we're going to kind of go from top to bottom here. And I wanted to start first. This one's for you, Jeff, with the anti-Michigan category. <laughs> God. So we had uh, we had user uh, Bucky Buckeye, user Stoic Scribbler, and then two fifth quarter accounts all mention the games against Michigan, Ohio State beating them. And there was also the fact that the Army account almost beating Michigan. They were excited <laughs> about that. They also had, since there was not another section for pro Rutgers, uh, Rutgers game versus UMass, the fact that they won, that was a big memory for them, too. And that's uh, Okay. I've, go ahead. There's there's no such thing as pro Rutgers. Oh, there are. <laughs> oh, there, no. you, there is now. You think they're bad? Just wait till you see them now. They're all pumped up about Shiano. Oh, brother. So. The first season, they're he all has hanging eight. out like They're all hanging out in his like uh, future performance center area. The way Just we're chip, speaking... Canning. The way we're speaking of Joe Burrow is the way they speak of Greg Schiano. And one of those has a national championship. <laughs> so we've got some we've got some pro Clemson ones I'm gonna burn through here. Uh, thank you thank you everybody, by the way, for for submitting these. These are really cool. So you have Trevor Lawrence's big touchdown against Ohio State. You have T. Higgins' huge circus catch against UVA, which albeit not needed, they're hammering them. Clemson over Ohio State again. There was one on here that I really, really liked, and it was Trevor Lawrence running down a Georgia Tech defender on his first interception. So they were obviously going to win that game, but he tackled him at the one-yard line, and they held him without points. <laughs> Georgia Tech missed the fourth down, and I thought that was kind of a cool, gritty Trevor Lawrence nod. The champions, we have a pro-LSU. These survey results, by the way, are from a couple weeks ago, kind of peppered through, so there's not going to be the championship, which was which would obviously be everybody's uh, number one, I think, if you're an LSU <laughs> fan. Yeah, that's a pretty big moment. Pretty huge. Pretty huge. So we have the LSU safety against Texas A&M, making it 50-7. to seven. <laughs> uh, Texas A&M. Uh, LSU it. over Alabama, and then specifically the Edwards Hilaire rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter against Alabama that all but sealed it. There was also yes. the first third and long conversion for LSU, and I believe... Let me see. It says, this was the first of many that, uh, you know what? It's it's partially left out, and it's by user anonymous, so I'm not sweating it. <laughs> Pro-Auburn, Iron Bowl, two-pick six, two sixes, fun day to be at a stadium. We have Pro-Florida. I didn't expect it. Yeah. 
the P. Ryan touchdown against Auburn was mentioned twice, which 88-yard run, it probably should be. And that was yeah. – and, and, and how fast he was was insane. I think that was one up the left side. That was a good one. I think one. I remember it. There's three pro-UVA responses we have here. Wow. Everyone mentioned beating Virginia Tech. Of course. But uh, – It doesn't happen very often. So. seeing Bryce Perkins – become one of the best quarterbacks in the country, was a big pro. And then another one actually was the UVA kind of struggling against Florida State, but beating Florida State because it meant so much. And it was he, he mentioned it was similar to the 95 game when UVA beat a number two ranked Florida State. So I thought that was a pretty cool memory too. Nice. We have both Iowa and Iowa State responses. So I kind of grouped them together. The Iowa was the win against USC. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get this part of it. I watched Matt Leinard and Reggie Bush. Should I do the Dan Carlin voice when I'm reading, like a quote? <laughs> I wish I, you would. I watched Matt. <laughs> okay, hold on. <clears throat> I can't do it. I watched Matt Leinard and Reggie Bush circle jerk to USC on national television in a bold statement of pregame analysis. I was ahead by 11 points at the half. This was followed by a halftime analysis where Leinard and Bush increased the intensity of the circle jerk. Iowa beat them 49-24. This was followed by a more somber, somber, yet still satisfying Leonard and Reggie Bush-led circle jerk of USC. No credit was given to Iowa for their victory, which ended in their favor. Uh, I thought that was a really great point. Another one was from an Iowa State fan for the Iowa-Iowa State game. He said, hey, my Cyclones lost. And again, this is the abridged version. But he mentioned all the weather delays that happened during that game, which I can't believe it, an Iowa State game. Having weather delays. <laughs> the student section stayed in the stands despite the announcer telling everyone to take shelter. And then the students just decided to start sliding down the grassy hill, creating this big mudslide. And there was at least 100 kids Ooh. in the field. They stormed. Uh, they decided to storm the field during the storm itself, making all the cops run around in the rain. That's worth it. Okay, that really reminds me of a story that I have uh, when I went to Tennessee. Okay. So, uh, it was senior year, we were playing Oregon. Oregon came in. That was, I think it was the Dennis Dixon Oregon team. Oh. Maybe, maybe, it was what, 2012? No, 2011? That might be right. I think that's right. Late Dixon, maybe early Mariota. Either way, there was a huge storm that came in, and they all shuffled us into the concourse. Well, during this giant storm that caused the uh, the game to, to stop, uh, there were people that ran out onto the field and started sliding. They got arrested. And then the game picked back up. And at that point, Tennessee was up three to nothing and looked like they were, they had something going. <laughs> second, the, second the game started, Whoa. Oregon bull raced them. Three to nothing. <laughs> no, no, no. It was three to nothing after like, after it was like seriously four minutes. Uh, and we had stopped them. Uh, we had stopped them uh, advancing. And they came back out. Tennessee got the ball, did nothing. And Oregon boat raced him after that. <laughs> like, I, it was one of those things like, did this help out? <laughs> yeah, having a nice 35-minute break for a thunderstorm to roll through. But yeah, there was a lot of kids sliding on the field. It was fun. I was going to try to find the game, but I, I, I don't want to get too in the weeds on it. That might be a good retrospective is those early those early teens Oregon teams that, that had Dennis Dixon and the likes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that would be fun. Pro UGA. There was sacking Bonix on fourth and ten to seal the game. 
There was also uh, beating Florida, and then there was George Pickens dragging a Georgia Tech safety 10 yards to slam him into a wall. <laughs> well, that's, that's from, just mean. This is mean just picking on Georgia Tech. Fitting right fitting submission from user Captain underscore Sack Tap. <laughs> uh, we had two Egg Bowl mentions watching Ole Miss piss the Egg Bowl away and literally, State winning the literally. Egg Bowl. And I think both those were submitted before Mississippi State ended up Hiring Mike Leach, which I cannot wait to talk about that in another episode. And Ole Miss now has Lane Kiffin. So now yeah. the Egg Bowl is going to be insane. Yeah, It's wonderful. Can't wait. Pro SMU, it was the miracle on Mockingbird Part 2 when they should have gotten beat by Tulsa after just falling apart. And they had an historical fourth quarter. Pro Auburn, we had Sean Shivers making his late fourth quarter touchdown in the Iron Bowl and destroying oh, yeah. Xavier McKinney along the way. And then also... I don't know why I put this under pro-Auburn, but I just have Texas kicking the crap out of Utah. I think the user is an Auburn fan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. That had so much to do with Auburn. Yeah, this is, there's a lot of responses I had to kind of sort through. <laughs> so these were probably the most heartfelt responses that I'm not going to give enough time to, which is why I want to post these on the Reddit after the show's posted. Pro-Minnesota. All three of them were about the Penn State win, when I think we all agreed that Penn State was probably going to handle Minnesota. I, I, yeah. I might be painting that in in I think so, vision. and I, I – well, I think I think so. Well, it is 2020, but um, oh, I hate myself for saying that. I think we all did kind of think that Minnesota was going to finally succumb at some point, and that was going to be the point, and they didn't. Oops. Just just a few small parts of this. To go out against a legit top 10 team and just have everything go right, there was also uh, one of the best moments of my life. At the end, it felt like we can stop them rather than here goes Minnesota choking again. And was very jealous of all the fans of the game who proceeded to rush the field. Biggest home victory in the last 50-plus years. Really cool season awesome. for Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really cool. Yeah, so, like, I'm super happy about that. Like, I'm not usually happy about Big Ten football. Um, but that made me really happy. Minnesota this year was a really fun story. So you guys start thinking, I don't know if you have moments. Do you guys have moments? Because we're about to go through the miscellaneous here. I have two. One is self-serving and then one of them is not. Uh, so Jeff, I know you have one at least, right? I do. Beating Michigan State probably. So I'm going to read a few (laughs) of these miscellaneous ones and we'll pepper ours in there. From user Belkball on Reddit, uh, Belk no longer sponsoring the Belk Bowl, and everybody a moment of silence, please. We have <laughs> the quote, almost did it, he Marty. pulled it, unbelievable, South Carolina wins their upset victory over Georgia. Someone, uh, user NCAA Investigations said giving Missouri a bowl <laughs> ban. <laughs> Uh, one of is our that where day Mark Emmert is on, on <laughs> yeah. Reddit. Well, at user NCAA investigation. Like, here's the real thing, though. Giving Missouri a bull ban isn't that kind of redundant? Like, did you? It need is now. To do that? But halfway through the season, it looked like that would be a uh, that'd be. It's unfortunate, and then they ended up just falling apart. Yeah, but really, though, <laughs> we have from day one listener at KL Castle. You freeze coaching Liberty football from a hospital bed versus the oh, orange. Our Lord. <laughs> from high upon, high upon his bed. Oh, so let's man. go ahead, Kyle. Give us one of your moments of the year. Uh, so I'm going to do the self-serving one. Also Syracuse related. Trill Williams stealing the ball from that Wake Forest kid and taking it to the house in <laughs> yeah. overtime. That was super fun. It was on my birthday. I love it. Let's do this. You know, I, lo- I love it. It made us go five and seven. 
you know, which is <laughs> better have, than four and eight. We have a Georgia Tech response. Aside from hiring Jeff Collins, I'd have to go with future Heisman winner, Super Bowl champion, and Pro Bowl punter Presley Harvin the third, yeah. dropping a dime on fake punt on a fake punt to Nathan <laughs> Cottrell forty one yards and a touchdown. And I believe that game was against Miami, where they upset Miami. And it basically started Yep, yeah, it's exactly what he gets into. It perhaps is a turning point that had Miami Miami resume its slide into the dustbin of the ACC. <laughs> we got beat by the Citadel, and then we used a play like this to with our, with our beast of a punter to put all the Hurricanes' tiny little hopes and dreams away for their season. Miami is wishing for the quarterback that was Brad Kaya. God, Brad Kaya. Uh, from user Quad Nunt, memorable was Tiger getting fired. Yep. <laughs> One, the you know what, I think it might be, it's the only Ohio State fan that responded that didn't dump on Michigan. <laughs> Watching Trevor Lawrence win an Academy Award for Best Actor after getting laid out cleanly by Sean Wade, O-H-I-O. Yeah, can't believe it. That's from user Zambonis for days. We had user Dirty Bob Magoo (laughs) say, say Oklahoma coming back against Baylor in the second half. I almost shut the game off. He's never abandoned a game. He decided to stick with it, and he's glad he did. We have a Rose Bowl win with the purple sunset reflecting off of Oregon's helmets. Go Ducks. That's from user Ometrist. Man, these names are not getting any easier. From an Oklahoma State fan, user All About Football 23, every sweet, sweet fumble by Jalen Hurts to top it off watching spoiled ass Oklahoma fans melt down like they still didn't have a top five quarterback. A bonus moment would be the OU mobile home mimicking what OU does in the playoffs, which is making everyone cringe at the thought and wondering why it was even on the field. Discussing obviously about the wagon tipping <laughs> over. I like, I like the idea of it being the OU mobile home, though. Yep, yeah, I've never, I've never even thought to trash it is OU's. Huge. Yeah, it really is. It is quite Spacious. a big user. Drew eight four nine, Georgia Southern beating a ranked app state for the second year in a row. Which is, if you think about like what the Egg Bowl result did and the butterfly effect. Georgia Southern beating App State again, and the butterfly effect for that too, just on how much different the bowl season might look. Like who Memphis yeah. would have, Memphis would have played a nobody in a bowl game. Yeah, we would have had App State and Penn State. So after weeks of hearing mountains of trash talk, it was refreshing to say uh, to say the le- oh sorry, it was refreshing to say the least to watch Kentucky rush for a school record 517 yards against Louisville. The excuses on why they got blown out again were hilarious. Michigan Notre Dame. Stayed on the field in a monsoon just to enjoy Michigan being in Notre Dame for the last time until we meet again in 2033. Jeff, go ahead and do one of your moments of the year. So this is actually not a positive moment, but for some reason I really enjoyed it. Michigan-Penn State played, and Penn State dominated the first half. Michigan turned it around and had a great second half, drove all the way down to the field and dropped a pass to end the game. It was an awesome game. Even though they lost, I told my wife afterwards, like, I wasn't mad. I was just like, wow, that happened. So that was actually one of my favorite memories from this year. It was the first time Michigan really responded that, that yeah. this year. This was their finest hour speech, wasn't it? That's what Harbaugh said at halftime, yeah. That's a good one. So we have it's good that It's good you're taking like good morality wins here, you know? Just like. <laughs> user Kudakest, I'm not doing it. Texas Oof. losing each loss was equally satisfying. Texas They're back, back baby. They beat Utah. Grexy Beast on Twitter said, I'm a student at Virginia Tech, and while the season was marred by a historic loss to UVA, to get to witness another historic game, the longest ACC game in history against UNC, 
for all six overtimes at Lane Stadium. Never experienced such a prolonged period of stress and excitement. It's a fun stadium to be at. I've only seen it. I do wish I could go. I want to go watch a game there sometime. It's fun. Look, going back to back for uh, for Kyle's education here, we have at Dinky on Twitter, <laughs> UT throwing 300 yards against Missouri. <laughs> During that whole fun debacle, Jennings juked out two safeties. It was the sickest thing that no one cared about. He's right there. I'm going to go true. ahead and put – I'm going to do one of my moments, or really the moment for me. And it was the mistake I made – and staying up for Pac-12 after dark when UCLA decided <laughs> to upset Washington State. And I've never recovered from that lost sleep. That game was exhausting. It was the most exhausting. You're still tired. Game. I'm still tired from that game. I've got a three-year-old. No issue. Not tired from it. It's the UCLA upset of Washington State in like week five that I'm still trying to recover from. That was when Mike Leach really called out his, his uh, defensive players, right? Yeah, called out everybody. That was just the beginning of the end for Mike Leach. We deter- we find out later. <laughs> when, he said, when he said, fuck this, I'm going to the SEC. Yeah, it's got to be easier there. Kyle, go <laughs> ahead and give it another one of your moments. Okay, so mine was actually at your house. Uh, we were watching Wisconsin-Illinois. Ooh. And Illinois found a way at the end of the game to to, to hold on and well actually they came back and beat Wisconsin. Uh, it was that it was that interception. It was coming down, kicking the field goal, and the bum rush of people onto the onto the uh, field to douse old man Santa Lo- Lovey Smith. That was super fun. That was insane. And yeah, it was the Wisconsin last two drives where Jonathan Taylor fumbled on the first one. And Illinois made points out of it. And then Wisconsin trying to throw their way. I think they might have still had the lead. I think so. on a third down, maybe it was. And Illinois picking it off. Yeah, that was insane. That was one of the first. That might have been one of the first, like, real upsets of the season, too. Because Wisconsin was a top 10 team, maybe. Yeah. Might have been close to top five. There's a really cool one on here that I I didn't remember. It's from user Ralphie5. The flea flicker touchdown Colorado had against Nebraska, it sparked a comeback to beat them for the second year in a row on their turf. It was their longest play from scrimmage, 93 yards. It was insane. I don't know if you guys remember it, but that whole game, Nebraska had completely just beat the brakes off Colorado, I think, in the whole first half. And the second half is when Colorado came back. But Montez was so streaky, and his second half in that game was fantastic. So thank you, Ralphie5. We have, God, underscores, man. There's too many underscores. CyberKO underscore X. So I'm assuming chaos. But Memphis's comeback bid against Temple falling short after a replay official made the indefensible decision to overturn a clear completion for a fourth down conversion that had been called correctly on the field. That was another butterfly effect because Memphis, there's no guarantee they would have still won, but they would have been almost definitely in field goal position a few plays later and probably beaten Temple. Thus... Probably going undefeated, or if you look at it through like another angle, they would have been undefeated going into that SMU game for game day. Mm. And and just how much more important it would have been, maybe they wouldn't have felt the need to be as good because they wouldn't have known they had to win out. That's what, that's what the only hope I have. I mean, that they was, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have felt the need for speed. They're yeah. already undefeated. I mean, that game that was probably my favorite game all year, even though like Jeff's memory. My team coming on out on the losing end, it was really cool to see both SMU and Memphis and the conference 
getting the spotlight from ESPN and not disappointing from an entertainment perspective. It was fantastic. Moral victories. You know what? And and, and I'm going to go a small, small soapbox here. There's a lot of really good football fans out there. And, and, and with the internet, you see a lot of really bad takes, obviously. Yep. The amount of bullshit that you see from power conference teams and and not specifically like in this case Syracuse or Michigan fans but those conferences right when when a smaller conference team or a game gets to be as entertaining as that Memphis and SMU game was and the first thing they go is oh I guess we just don't play defense here you know sorry for hating on this game but like maybe play some defense which is absolute it's fucking bullshit like good football is good football and sometimes it looks like 19 to 15 sometimes it looks like it's 49 to 45 and Man, that shit fucking gets up my craw. Like fucking let them let them have their moment, dude. It's, yeah, it's their, they're they're not going to win a national championship. This is their national championship, so just fucking you, chill. And if you want shitty football takes, come to me. I'm I'm chock full. Of them. Yeah, Ed, Ed, third down fullback on Twitter. He I won't, won't tweet. respond. I'm not, he's not going to respond. <laughs> I'll give you my DMs. beeper. We had uh, we had two more responses to kind of round this thing out that were uh, wrong year right smack talk is the way I designated them because they didn't really qualify for the one year. But one was uh, Middle Tennessee never firing Rick Stock still despite being one of the longest tenured coaches in FBS with one conference championship his second year and doing absolutely nothing of note since that. Mm. And which is rough. And then from user, I think it's a user, Storm in Austin. Justin Tucker making the game-winning kick against Texas A&M, which happened like five years ago, six years ago. The last year A&M was in the Big 12, I believe. And uh, just Back so when they were you relevant? guys just, just know, University of Texas definitely not thinking about A&M. They're definitely not looking into the mirror <laughs> like Hogan and seeing the flashing ultimate warrior of Texas A&M behind them. <laughs> It's just Jimbo in face paint. Yeah. <laughs> With no shirt on. <laughs> Jimbo Ultimate Warrior is canon for our show now. Do we have any other memories we want to bring it up before we kind of wrap up this end of the year show or anything else that you guys want to discuss? I, I do have one. Now, I know we're not supposed to talk about transfers, but it is 2020. It's a new year. I vaguely remember a, a kicker at FIU making a throat slash at a certain team. And I believe he's transferring there. He's transferring to Miami. Yeah, he he is gone. Heel slash face turn to, <laughs> uh, turn depending on your your allegiances. They must have loved it. What he was doing. So they're like, oh, I mean that, that guy. That is Joe I mean, and NWL. <laughs> if if like we we all talk about like we've talked about it before historically in Miami and like their swag, right? That is exactly the type of attitude that I yep. think. Manny Diaz wants on his team from the kicker up is is literally like we're not only beating you we shouldn't beat you we are beating you and this spider cam that's coming across the field I'm gonna do a throat slash at it just to show you guys how done you are it, it, did he did he also try to go after the Iowa kicker <laughs> he, he put an offer in for both of them the Iowa kicker blowing the kiss in the Nebraska fans. Shout out to listener Doug. <laughs> one of the better moments of the year, too. Uh, so wonderful. So I want to give out, uh, before before we say goodbye, I want to do a couple of shout outs to kind of this season and, and some of our listeners. That'd be okay with you guys and then we can get out of here? Sure. So 
Uh, I wanted to shout out uh, first, fifth quarter. Thank you guys for having us on y'all's platform now. We're excited Love about you mean it. the future. Love you, mean it. You're allowing us to get into more people's ears, and that's all, all we want is to kind of help. Now we get to help to grow this community, too, which I've spoken about a, a bunch. <laughs> they might not want us in their ears, but they're going to have it. <laughs> yeah, shout out to everybody that's that's that has subscribed to this point and has written a five-star review. I think we're perfect in that regard, which is really, really cool. If you haven't yet subscribed or sent in that five-star review on iTunes, we do appreciate it. It helps the numbers. It does help our show. Uh, for the analytics side. And then some specific people shout out here. Uh, I want to shout out, I just kind of giving them nicknames. I don't really know what else to do here. Uh, Iowa Doug, a guy that all three of us used to work with. Now you two work with him because I left. Uh, Doug was one of the first people to listen to our show and give us some really good feedback. And I really appreciate it, Doug. Yep. We also Love have uh, Fultzy. Uh, he's been mentioned on the show before. Some of the stuff that he has been mentioned on, I've gone ahead and edited out of the podcast. So sorry about that. But He's one of the guys, he picked, I think, two weeks worth of games with us before. Maybe just one. But we might have him be kind of like a guest picker uh, down the road for next season. He's a jackass, but I love him. Yeah, I want to thank Will from from The Stands. That's fromthestands.us. Cool operation. They do a fan-run college game day on Fridays before the games. They're worth checking out. And it's from the stands US on Twitter, in case you guys are interested. Uh, Tall Clemson Will, thank you. <laughs> Uh, father of two. Uh, and we also want to thank the guys from Juicing the Numbers, specifically uh, Corwin. He uh, has been on our show, I think, a couple times now. He's the Penn State student that has an incredibly deep voice. Uh, and we appreciate him because he's been – he filled in for us a couple times when I wanted to have a third person. And it was really good. And he's also a fucking giant apparently too. Yeah, yeah. He's and he's like 6'5". Like yeah, he's yeah. Che- Chewbacca reincarnated. <laughs> uh, and then his co-host, Josh, he hasn't been on the podcast. He's not a huge college football fan, but he has started listening to try to learn about college football, which you're <laughs> welcome and sorry that this is the impact. Yeah, this is – this, this is, but as welcome. a result, uh, we've probably raised someone who hates Pitt and UVA on Kyle's takes alone. Which is worth awesome. It. Love it. So he's a fellow Yankee fan like Kyle. So there's that. Perfect. And then anyone else that we may have missed that's been here since day one or that's come on through throughout the season. There's a lot of you guys on Twitter that have followed us kind of midway, whether it was a joke I cracked or, or, or a, a, a note that I made that said, hey, I'm going to check you guys out. I do appreciate it. One of those is also Alex Kirshner from Banner Society, which is it makes me feel good inside. I don't know how many times he's listened since, but the fact that he even gave us a shot. Uh this has been an awesome first season, guys. Well, also want to shout out um for day one listener and uh, commenting on that thing, uh, KL Castle, right there. Yeah, 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 Sir, Sir, yeah. Syracuse, Syracuse, uh, yeah, Kirky, right there. Another Syracuse lover, right there. And uh, I'll pull the curtain back. My cousin, love him. Yeah, you know what? Uh, thank, your thank cousin, you for listening. And also Jeff's brother-in-law, who gave us feedback very early on too, because you know. Right. What they don't tell you when you start a podcast is that nobody's going to listen until you just tell people about it. And we had a lot of family members that, that gave it a shot and all gave us good feedback, which helped us, I think, become better, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. We've got one more person we need to give uh, oh, who am I forgetting? to. Uh, you, Marty. You know, without you, our uh, wonderful podcast would not happen. The hours you spend up late at night. 
toiling away editing our terrible voices. Uh, so thank you for everything you've done this year. Yeah, you know what? Big shout out to Jeff's ums and another <laughs> big shout out to Kyle's weird groaning noises before he makes a labored point because because a lot of those get edited out. Not not necessarily because they're bad because we still sound okay, but I want us to sound as good as possible. And I, know, never I, know I know there's a chance, for instance... The way Jeff sometimes will say, um, I will definitely leave three seconds silent as I'm trying to make a point, And my head is just like a gerbil in a wheel, just running, trying to figure out what word I'm trying to say. And I edit out a lot of that silence in the middle. Um, and I hope it comes out as a good product. You know, I've, there's a lot of our competitors that I've, that I've, I say competitors, people that are also Ooh, who are we in, fighting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, come at us at Walk On Red Shirt. So there's a lot of there's a lot of small there's a lot of small college football podcasts that I'll kind of listen to not every joke. single week, but I want to hear what they sound like. And all my goal is is to have our audio sound better, more well put or put together better, just like my sentences, and and ultimately just be a good representation of us, right? Like. Uh, we, we we hope it's it for you guys. It's like sitting in a room and hanging out, or yelling at your stereo as you're listening to us because we're making a wrong a wrong point, or we're saying the wrong name, or etc. Listen, uh, I way, know I'm wrong most of the time. It's fine. I mean, we. I think I'd like to see who's right all the time. So that's going to do us do it for us. The off season is going to be full of a lot of really cool shows. We're probably going to be doing only one per month. If it maybe leads into uh, the NFL draft or some things we want to put together, that might be two per month. We hope you guys stay subscribed and get ramped up for this 2020 season coming up in just eight short months. Damn. Yeah, it's it's gone. Gentlemen, for the last time in this 2019-20 season, will you say goodbye? Bye-bye. Don't cry because it happened. Smile because it's over. Wait. What? Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers. We cover the NFL, college football, MLB, and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between. If you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at JuicingPOD.